0: Welcome to The Work of Warriors, a podcast dedicated to bringing mental wellness to the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Kim Ravage. This podcast is dedicated to the artists we've lost to mental health, addiction, and suicide, and to those who are still suffering in silence. Doug, welcome to The Work of Warriors. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Kim, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So... In an effort to bring mental wellness to the entertainment industry, we focus on the definition of a warrior being not someone who fights for everyone else all the time, which many of us have been, for various reasons, conditioned to do, but someone who actually knows and is committed to fighting for themselves first, and so someone who knows they matter, they know their worth, they know their boundaries, and they're doing that work and living that so that not to be selfish by any means, but so that they can actually have a greater impact on the world. And watching your content, listening to your podcast, and hearing a bit of your story, I would say you are definitely a warrior, which is why I reached out to you to come on today. But I don't think that's always been the case. And so I think that's where a lot of us struggle, especially for people who've had trauma. The the jump from believing that one certain lifestyle will save them and then hitting that dark season, then having to choose whether or not to fight for themselves. And you obviously chose. So I was wondering if you would just share a bit of your story with our listeners.
1: I did have a lot of hardship and trauma growing up, whether that was um, my parents getting divorced, which was kind of a traumatic divorce, being picked on in, in school a lot, being bullied, being rejected by girls, being Hyper insecure and anxious and depressed as a kid. I'm not making the sports teams when I wanted to to make the teams. Like I love sports and everything, and so I felt like I did have this battle that I needed to fight, and that battle was getting to a place where I felt secure as a boy, as a young man, as a young adult, and I was scared to fight because that the thought of you know, cha- you know, choosing something different, the thought of standing up for myself, a thought of, of, you know, facing my emotions head on was incredibly painful for me because, you know, you, we, as a guy specifically, I think that when you're growing up, if you talk about your emotions or you talk about how you're sad or something, you're seen as, as being weak or you're seen as being a wuss or you're seen as not being strong. And so I was already in a place where I was feeling so insecure with myself and I was feeling weak as a man that the thought of me expressing myself in that kind of way just seemed nearly impossible. And so what I did was instead of taking the the hard route and really facing things head on, I chose to take the easier route and self-medicate with things and self-medicate with with food as a young teenager or as a, I mean, really as a, I guess, as a 10, 11, 12 year old. And then that led to, um, I started to use marijuana as a way to cope and self-medicate. And that led to other drugs like cocaine. And then eventually where or that, or that really led me was to using and abusing Oxycontin and and then selling, you know, tons of drugs along the way. And what I found is that the battle that I had been originally facing become became much tougher because now I wasn't just facing ba- a battle. I was facing a war that I had created. And I think that a lot of time, and I want to say a few things here because I think it's important. A, I don't know if, like, I, I don't know if I, if somebody was telling me, told me as a kid, like, Doug, you need to do these things to to fix this. You need to, like, open up share about your your what you're going through, talk to your parents, talk to the school, change your friends. Like I don't know if I would have chosen any differently to be honest, cuz as a kid it's just different. It's not like I'm a 27-year-old adult or a 35-year-old where I have all this emotional maturity, my brain is fully developed. As a kid, the only thing you're trying to do is just be liked in school, you know, have a good peer group, get good grades, um you know, get attention from people that you're interested in and have some fun and then kind of just move on, right? And so that's all that's all I really wanted. And, and 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 I say that because I think a lot of times when I when I share that I could have chosen differently and I took the easy way out, it means that I I have no sympathy for people who do that. And it's like I I certainly do because it's it's a challenging road as a kid. And you're doing whatever you possibly can just to stay the course and not self-destruct. And the other thing that I will say is that I think when we're going through hard times in any stage of our lives, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, is we think because we're going through one battle that it's okay to create a, a it's, it, that it's okay to create a hundred more battles because of that one battle. Because it's easy just to point back to the fact that you know you went through something challenging, and this is why the rest of your life is self-destructed. Instead of just acknowledging that. I had this one battle and I chose to respond in the way that I did. So again, I think two things can be true. I think what I said before, which was that, um, you know, as a kid, things are tough and it's like, I don't think most kids have the emotional bandwidth or maturity to process certain things. Like I might now, or like people might now at the end of the day, they're just trying to survive. And, on the flip side of that, I also think that we are a result of the choices that we make in response to a lot of these situations. And so once we understand that, we, be, we begin to realize that, you know, even though we might not be happy with some of the choices we may have made in a battle, we can choose differently next time in order to begin to like win that battle and then potentially, hopefully, like win this war that we end up creating for ourselves. And for me, my battle really came, I guess, full circle in a way when I was incarcerated on felony drug charges back in 2008, and it was like the the it was probably the one of the hardest moments of my life, but it was also one of the greatest blessings in my life because when I got to jail, I was a convicted felon. I had a, you know, I was snorting several hundreds. I was snorting several several 100 milligrams of Oxycontin up my nose every single day to support my habit. I had 21 jobs, but I had 21 jobs. I was 21 years old at the time, so I essentially had a job for for every year that I was born. Damaged relationships with friends and family, no self-esteem, no ment, you know, no um confidence at all, highly depressed, highly anxious, highly anxious. You know, thoughts of like not wanting to be on earth anymore, like all these things that I had going against me. And then on top of that, I'm in jail and then detoxing cold turkey from OxyContin. And I I ended up getting connected to a guy who ended up being my cellmate when I was in jail. And it completely transformed my life. And the reason that I say that is because he was sitting there playing this uh, Scrabble at um, one of the tables in jail. And he looked at me and he's like, Doug, when you get through your detox, you're going to start working out with me. And I sat there and I said to him, I was like, there's no way I'm going to work out with you. Like, have you seen me? I could have been a model for Pillsbury. And this guy looked like a more jacked version of Brad Pitt from Fight Club. So I was highly intimidated, highly like insecure being like, there's no way that I'm going to embarrass myself in front of this guy and others that are in jail. And so he's like, all right, man, whatever. Then not too long after that, we had a conversation in the jail cell that completely has shifted the way I, I think about life today. And I actually just recorded um, a podcast on something similar to this in that we were sitting there in the cell and he kept asking me, I think like most people who were like trying to coach people, they were trying to ask better questions. And he's like, you know, he was asking me why I was there. He was asking me, um, you know, he was asking me why I was there, what got me into drugs and so on and so forth. And I started to blame everybody else for my problems but myself. And he looked at me and he told me, I mean, in the PG, the PG version, he looked at me and he said, just quit being, quit being a wuss, quit being a victim. And I just was kind of shook because in that moment, I thought that I was going to get all this sympathy and him coddle me and be like, it's okay, Dougie. Like the world's against you. Like the world's a dark place and you know everything is everybody else's fault. But he looked at me and he said, you're, he looked at me and he said, you're, you're blaming everybody for your problems but yourself. He said, there's plenty of people that go through what you went through and aren't in jail, right, Doug? And I'm like, yep. He said, you have two choices. You can be a man, look yourself in the mirror and say, you got yourself here and it's up to you to change. Or you can go be a victim and a wuss and go cry in the corner and say, woe is me. And I felt invigorated because the drugs had had, uh, gotten out of my system essentially at this point almost. And I started to think a little bit more clearly. And I was like, man, well, clearly, I don't have everything figured out. Like, I've been trying to fight, to fight this battle in life in a way that's hyper unproductive and running away from the fight and running away from my problems and hiding in a corner, hiding in the tree, hiding in the bushes and using drugs and everything else to self medicate. That now I'm in jail, convicted on felony drug charges, serving, you know, a few months on a, a to, it was a total of a fi, it was a five year sentence, but the the set, everything on the sentence was suspended, but the ninety days that I had to do in jail, and then I have all these again damaged relationships with my family, my friends, you know, a horrible track record with with work and everything else. That clearly I don't have everything figured out, and so it forced me to look at my life differently. And he essentially just told me, he's like, listen, like nobody's going to come in here and save you. You got to do the work yourself. You got to fight this yourself because no one else is going to fight for you. And I share that because I think it's just kind of encapsulates beautifully what we've talked about or what I've shared, I guess, in the last few minutes in that in life, you're going to face battles. There's going to be hardship. And I think there's a lot of things that are super unfortunate that ha- that happen to people. And I think there's hardships that frankly, like sometimes, you know, it's okay to to fight them in the wrong way. I mean, I think sometimes we're only able to deal with life in in which the coping skills that we have developed at that time and the emotional intelligence. But at the end of the day, the only person that is going to save you and that's going to fight that battle for you is yourself. Like I was looking for drugs to come save me. I was looking for my family to save me. I was looking for friends to save me. I was looking for girls to save me, athletics to save me. And none of that stuff saved me at all. And to make matters worse, Like I had no luck with any of that stuff that I thought was going to save me. So it wasn't even like I was having success and that was just fueling some like, you know, weird addiction to external validation at that time. Like I had no luck and I still continue to chase those things, even though it self-destructed my life. And so what jail taught me is that I have to face my own battles. I have to fight for myself or no one else is going to do it for me. And that has obviously been a huge catalyst for what I do today. It hasn't been perfect. Um, there's been times, you know, since I got out of jail where I've had different battles, not with addiction to substances, but with addiction to external validation and and vanity and the way I looked and fitness and stuff like that, that I really had to take a deep look inside and say that, you know, like I can't, um, I can't use other people's opinions and the way that people think about me to fuel how I conduct myself and fuel my life, I have to set the stage for that first. And then everything else is an extension of that.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. And when you when you use that external validation as a fuel, it actually gets in the way and it just clogs everything up anyway of what you're supposed to be doing here to begin with, right?
1: Yeah, because it's, a, it's, it's, it's fleeting, but it's an, it's addicting too, because it's easy to just live off of the opinions of others and the validation of others, because I mean, in many ways it can be simple to do. I mean, I could, you could post a picture online and get a lot of validation, or I could just send a bunch of text messages and like, just want to communicate with people all the time. Or I could, you know, play the the person that, you know, I could also just be the person that's always there for everybody else, even though I'm sacrificing my own time, just to feel like, just to fill this like hero complex that I, I think I have deep down in some ways. And At the end of the day, what I also want to say is I do think that money is important. I do think that health is important. I do think relationships are important. I do think attraction to other people is important. I think all these things that have a slippery slope are very important in life. However, I think if you're doing them for the wrong reasons and that becomes what you use to fill a void inside of you that you haven't worked on yourself, that's where you get into trouble. And so I've seen both sides of it where I was, I was getting plenty of attention, of attention from women in my, my 20s. I was super ripped um, and in very good shape um, aesthetically. I was making great money. I was getting accolades. But I still wasn't comfortable with myself on the inside totally. And because of that, I began to chase more and more of that stuff. It was like, all right, I'm 7% body fat. How do I get to 6? I'm 6. I'm still not happy. How do I get to 5? with women, it was like, I'm getting attention from a girl that looks like this. I need to get attention now from a girl that looks like that. And it, and it all is, it's, it's this crazy trap we, that we sometimes fall into because at least for me specifically, and again, I don't think there's anything wrong with this because I think it's, it's healthy. What I think what I'm about to say is there's two sides to it. Two things can be true. And I think as a guy, your level of success, at least. In society in some ways is dictated by how much money you make, your athletic ability, what you look like, who you're dating. At least it was like, that's how I viewed it, you know, growing up and stuff. And again, I think those things are important. However, for somebody who was super insecure like myself growing up, that became a slippery slope because I didn't have any of those things and I was miserable. So I was like, well, all I need to do is get those things and I'll be happy. And then once I got those things in my 20s, after I cleaned my life up and got into a a pretty healthy place, I still was miserable. And I was even more like angry because I felt that I had been sold this bill of goods. I'd been sold this bill of goods and that I'd worked so hard to get to this thing for the wrong reasons. And so that forced me to get into therapy and reevaluate my relationship with my past and forgiveness and how I viewed like health and wellness as a whole to make sure that I was doing everything for the right reasons and that if I got out and if if I like fell down the steps and broke my legs, I would still find a way to love myself for who I am. Right? If I didn't get the girl or didn't get the date, that I would still find a way to love myself for who I am. That if I didn't, you know, run that mile in the way that I wanted to, I would still find a way to love myself for who I am. And so that's where the game changed for me. To where All of what I do now is just an extension of how I feel and and validate myself internally. Um, It's become much easier for me to say no to certain women that that I would have said yes to before, that I would have continued to chase even though they weren't interested in me. It's allowed me to be more at peace when I feel like I need a rest day at the gym and I don't work out or I want a piece of pizza or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I can't emphasize enough, like working on yourself and being your own warrior, because at the end of the day, if you're not going to fight for yourself, nobody else will.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful. And I feel like we could just end right here and I could say, thanks, Doug.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you said everything that needs to be said, uh,
1: Thank but you.
0: but I, I could take this in many different directions. But the first thing I think I want to focus on is thank you for speaking about your perspective and your experience as a man. I think we don't speak about this enough as far as how we condition boys and men to not be expressive of their very human, normal emotions. And we create an unsafe environment for them. And then when they're adults and they struggle with that, we're surprised. Yeah. And I think we see that with very successful men where we're surprised. When they've done everything that everyone has told them to do, they locked down their emotions, they got ripped, they got rich, they got the girl, they got the career, but they're still miserable and they blow up their lives. Or sadly, we lose them and we're shocked. And so I just want to say thank you for saying that because I have great compassion for men and a lot of my clients are men. And even in my couples coaching to help women or their partners understand that it's not safe. And so your nervous system might feel like it's just literally not safe for me to talk about how I feel. So I'm glad that you said that. Um, You know, the other thing too is in the fitness industry. um, I think there's, there are different perspectives. There are a lot of people doing great work on mindset in regards to physical fitness. But what I love about your work and I have even more respect for the work that you do is that you balance that story. You, you understand you talk about trauma but it doesn't define you in fact it fuels you to fight for yourself to be healthier not only physically but emotionally
1: yeah i mean there's so many ways i could i guess i could come back with that as well and i think that <clears throat> emotions are a funny thing right because i think that in many ways um we see emotions like sadness and anger And sorrow and stuff like that as as negative emotions because of what they can lead to, right? Because of all the debauchery and despair and violence that those emotions could potentially lead to. But those emotions, what I've learned, you make sometimes some of your greatest and best decisions in your life in times of anger and sadness. Like I mean, I can think about every time I wanted to change, whether it be the when I was in jail. I was angry at myself, I was sad, I was miserable, I was in despair. When I had the awakening with how I viewed my body and my external validation. I was in despair, I was in a state of anger, I was in a state of sorrow, right? I wasn't like super happy when I made those decisions, right? But I I was in a place where I was feeling a certain way and I was comfortable with harnessing them and talking to them in a way that's productive. And then that leads to that leads to and creates this bridge for transformation. And so I do think that as men, we do have to express how we feel. I do think there's a fine line. I do think it's not a, a green light just to snap on people when when you want to. I don't think it's a green light to just always just emotionally dump and vent to people whenever you want to. I mean, I think that goes with anybody. I think that in my experience, um, I think it's always been best that I, I gain some self-reflection when I'm feeling emotional and, and process it on my own a little bit, and then take it to to somebody else, unless I'm in therapy or something where I have a professional that's like kind of helping me unpack it. If I have a lot going on, and so I th- I do think there is a healthy balance with all of that. Um, but you're right; like I think we live in this world of extremes where it's either show all emotion or show zero emotion, and I think right. it's a dance that we, we all have to walk with over time and that we get better at over time where we understand like, all right, what's worth, is it, is it worth like expressing myself over this? Or is it just, um, is it a, is it a small thing that I honestly shouldn't be sweating? Cause there is sometimes there's these small things in life that if we fret over too much, we let it rob us of our day. And then we, we wake up the next day and we're like, why did I worry about that so much? And so if you can sure. gain the self-awareness around that and be like, all right, like I know I shouldn't worry about these things or I shouldn't let it bother me this much or why is it bothering me so much? What can I do to, you know, better self-regulate during those times? I think it can give you, um, some amazing blessings down the road. Um, but I, I do think that it's important. I mean, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman that you are strong, you know? emotionally, mentally, like doing what you can physically to become strong. I mean, there's a huge movement now for resistance training and especially I'm seeing it more pop up amongst women because I've seen, I mean, I've been a trainer for 12 years and just seeing what I've seen online as well. Like so many women are so happy when they feel strong as a human being and they're able to like lift a certain amount of weight or they're able to do something that just makes them feel like powerful, right? Yeah. And obviously that also occurs in men, but I'm talking about what I've just seen in the in the movement with uh I'm just so happy to see this because for a while people people frown, you know, people frowned upon upon women lifting weights because they thought they would quote unquote get bulky or whatever, right? Now that we found out that was just a, a big myth, it's it's cool to see this kind of all come into popularity now. And well,
0: and uh, I want to say, like, for me, you know, I was a therapist, I've been in therapy, I've been in coaching, I've done my inner work for so long. I, you know, it took me a long time to figure out like consistency in the gym and with working out and I knew I needed it. But it was when I really like when I had a trainer who with that strength training, it like it, it was another layer of like, oh my gosh, my life just changed again. And it is that strength of feeling like I can do hard things. And when you can do hard things, you can lift heavy things. It builds a mental and emotional resistance too. That when when life comes at you, when things happen and you know, hard things happen, which happen to all of us, it's not personal, you have more resiliency because you have done that work both mentally but also physically within yourself. And it's it's so powerful. It really is.
1: Yeah, I think there's four pillars of fitness. There's the there's physical fitness, there's emotional fitness, there's mental fitness, there's spiritual fitness. Um you know and the, and the crazy thing about physical fitness is you can be spiritually fit and you can be going to church, you can be meditating and being of service, you can be you know practicing Buddhism, whatever your like flavor of that is, you can be mentally fit, going to therapy, expressing gratitude, um you know doing what you can to be around great people, you can be emotionally fit, you can work on your emotions, you know engage in proper stress management techniques, work on your trauma, all that stuff. But doing those three things aren't going to make you more fit, right, at all. However, you can be, when you're more fit physically, you, it improves those other areas of your life tremendously. And so that's why I, I do think that physical fitness is like this gateway drug to personal development, this gateway drug to transformation, to mental um, and emotional intelligence, because it gives you all these great things for free, right? Like it, it helps you build self confidence, helps you create discipline, helps you um, develop a sense of community because you are typically spending time with people that are like minded when you are at the gym. Um, it gives you it gives you perspective. Get it gets you it works your adversity muscle where you got to persevere through things when they get tough. It keeps you focused on the future um, and stuff like that, and. There's not a lot of other things in life that give you all those things at once, right? And so I just think it's super important. And again, it's also a great thing to bring it all back to harness your emotions. Um, and, and because a lot of times now when I work out, it's not because I'm trying to grow my biceps. It's more for my mental health and, and stress relief and just to make sure that I'm doing what I can to optimize you know, my mental and emotional well-being.
0: Yeah, for me, I just posted on my story. I think it was just Facebook, but I posted that, you know, for, some, for a trauma survivor, working out fitness is medicine. Mm. If I were sick, I would take my medicine and I don't always want to work out, but I take my meds every day. <laughs> and it's I'm a very I'm a different person from when I get to the gym. When I leave the gym, I'm, I'm entirely different. I have an entirely different mindset and you're right it it pours over into everything else and it's harder at least i've experienced it's harder to go the other direction that's the direction i went and it did solidify it but i think when you start with that fitness for sure it gives you the tools for every to build out all those other areas
1: for sure i mean it really does and there's there's not many things like i said like it that give you all these these benefits I haven't even talked about the physical benefits that come from exercise. I was just specifically talking about the, the mental and emotional and obviously physical being physically fit and healthy gives you a a wide array of, of benefits um, from a longevity, from a biological and physiological perspective. And, but the, the mental and emotional resilience that it helps you build, I just think is, is life changing and it doesn't have to be, like I'm talking about strength training, I'm talking about going to the gym and you're hearing me say that it doesn't necessarily have to be just that. I mean, sometimes the best thing somebody can do is just go is just go for a walk, right? Or to just maybe take a yoga, take a yoga class or just take an exercise class, or maybe just do some push ups at home or whatever it is. Like you have to find what works for you and then just stick to that to the best of your ability.
0: Right. And what I teach my clients about is their nervous system. It's, again, one of the things I really appreciate about your work is that you identify that your story matters. Your experiences matter, and they impact what you're responding to, and they don't define you, and here's what we're going to do about it. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of what I do, but teaching that nervous system when people say, I just can't, I just don't have any energy, I feel depressed, I feel you know i just can't do anything i'm not motivated it's the first thing is bring your nervous system back online and whether that's through like you know tapping or getting out into nature and going for a walk there are things you can do that are so empowering that i just think we're not giving enough attention to that we have so much power within us to bring our nervous system back online or to bring our nervous system down if we're overstimulated and you know it is it's get outside get to the gym And it's, you know, I have a, I have a list on my phone that's called the damn thing. And it's just my damn thing list. Like do the damn thing. I don't always want to, but when I do it, I feel a lot better. And so just do it. And you have, but that's where I think people struggle is like, you have to make that conscious choice to fight for yourself. So I'm I'm wondering, like, what is it within you? Like, you've shared your experience, you've shared your story, you share what you do, you're impacting lives. But what is it, Doug, within you, that you know that you're worth fighting for? How do you how do you get there every day?
1: I think for me, it's I just I remember why I got started into this place, why I got started into doing what I'm doing in the first place, and how I felt when I wasn't fighting for myself. Like I tap into that. I think about the kid that just wanted to be loved. I think about the kid that was miserable. I think about the kid that was emotionally broken and and bankrupt in every area of my life. And I think about what not fighting for yourself looks like. And it looked like that. And so that forces me to stay on the path. What also forces me to stay on the path. Is I just know that the days that I don't feel like showing up for myself are typically the days that I need to show up for myself, and that that's going to build this resilience and a, an adversity muscle that will end up allowing me to feel so much better down the road. I mean, it's funny, it's like I mean, there's probably been 50 times in the last six months or so um, that I haven't wanted to go to the gym, that I felt tired. I was like, man, I don't feel like working out today. Because everybody has this idea that because somebody's a trainer, they're into health, that every day they're like ear to ear smile with wanting to go to the gym. I was going to say,
0: thank you for saying that.
1: It's not true. However, I would say that 98% of those 50 times that I didn't feel like going to the gym where I went anyway, I was so thankful that I went because I felt so much better afterwards. There's been maybe like a couple of times, if I'm being honest, there's been a couple of times where I should have just rested because I was so tired, but I was like, you know what? Like I need to get this workout in. I'm super stressed. And then I got home and I was like, you know, maybe the best thing for my body that day would have been like a more, um, just Zen type workout. But 98% of the time it's like, I'm so much better that I went and it has nothing really to do with the physical benefits. I'm not like, man, I'm glad that I went and worked my chest muscles or my biceps or my legs or whatever. It's more like I come back and I'm like, man, I'm, th- I'm, thank- I'm thankful that I didn't give up on myself today. I'm thankful yes. that I believed in myself. I'm thankful that I love myself. I'm thankful that I didn't give up just because things got hard and I wasn't soft today. And what I've learned is that even though you're not feeling a hundred percent, it doesn't mean that you can't give it like a hundred percent of your effort that day. And so that's really just helped me build emotional and mental resilience over time because now I don't think about it. Now I'm not, I don't contemplate at the door. Like, should I go to the gym today? It's like, oh, I got to do it. Like I wanted to go to the gym. To be honest this morning, I wanted to go to the gym and then um, ended up one thing. The next, I got caught up in emails and I had to to uh, walk my dog. Then I had some clients and I had some other things to do. And then now I'm here talking to you and I'm like, looking at my schedule, I'm like, man, I can't get to the gym until like six o'clock tonight, but I'm still going to go because it's like, I'm staying committed to myself. And the best way to build self-confidence, to build self-trust is to stay committed to the things you say you're going to do. Because if you tell yourself on a daily basis, I care about my health, I'm strong, I want to get in shape. But then your actions don't reflect that there's going to be this cognitive dissonance that, that exists in your brain you're, you're just not going to believe yourself anymore yeah and then when you don't believe in, when you don't believe in yourself and you don't have any you don't and you don't believe in yourself like how are you expected to develop any sense of hope or faith in your life and belief in yourself when things are getting tough because in um, you know in the past you've shown yourself that you're not you know going to follow through with things you say you're going to do and that also obviously transfers into other relationships where, you know, you have a hard time trusting other people because you don't trust yourself. You don't trust your intuition. You don't follow through with what you say you're going to do. So you have a hard time like practicing discernment with other people and practicing integrity and practicing being authentic to yourself because you haven't been consistent with, you know, you haven't been consistent with validating yourself in that way. And so it, it ends up you know, impacting other relationships as well.
0: Right. And I, and I think, I mean, I don't even need to say really much more cause you, you expounded so beautifully on that. The only thing I want to just touch on that I think is also so important is where you said your why you remember that kid who needed to feel loved, who needed to feel confident. And I feel like if you can look back on what you needed, that's where the story really matters, but where so many people get stuck, right? But if you can be the person who looks back and says, Oh, you needed to be loved, I needed to be loved. Well, guess what? I'm the first person who's going to show up and show that to my younger self and do that work. Like, we have to, you know, like, nobody else is coming. We have to be the one who shows up and says, No, I don't abandon myself anymore. I am committed to that younger version of myself or that part of my story that hurts and really choose that fight in that regard
1: yeah and i think a a lot of it too just comes down to this immense amount of gratitude i have for my life and where i'm at right now and i and honestly i think i just owe it to my cellmate who passed away last year i feel like i owe it to certain members of my family who have believed in me um, certain people that have helped me um again not that they're responsible for fighting my battle but i also have gratitude for that because i'm super thankful that a lot of people Gave up their time. Some people, you know, have invested in me and done all these things that, like, I'm thankful for that. And in order, to, the greatest way for me to show appreciation and gratitude for that is by my through my actions and, and, and to keep going. And I also have gratitude for the people that support me online and people listen to my podcast. And I want to be an example. And I'm telling people all the time, like, when it gets hard, show up for yourself. When you don't feel like doing it, do the thing anyway. That I have yeah. to be able to do that as well. Again, there's extenuating circumstances where I'm like, I can't, you know, I, I, I shouldn't go to the gym because I'm on like an hour and a half sleep. And it's probably the, I would advise somebody who's reaching out to me to probably stay home as well, but get back on the, get back on the train the next day. And, um, but yeah, I think there's so many things that motivate me to get me out of bed. I just think that because I've been doing this for so long, I don't think about it anymore. I'm just up. It's just yeah. there. Like my brain is it's like, just all what right. you do now. It's just what you do.
0: Yeah. So I, I have a question. Um. You know, you've talked about past experiences with, you know, like essentially suicidal ideation, questioning it, whether or not you should even be here. And right. what I'm wondering, you know, a lot of people that I hope hear this are those who are successful. They've, you know, they've gotten all the things they were told they were supposed to get, and they're still miserable. Have you? Did you experience that darkness after you were successful? I think that's what you said. Like after you had the girl, after you kept moving that goalpost, you kept wanting different, you know, validation. Did you experience that darkness emotionally after you were successful and ripped and making money?
1: I never had suicidal ideation when I was successful. I had, I had thoughts of you know, not being here when I was doing drugs, like I would crush up a line of cocaine and Oxycontin. And I would like think to myself, like, all right, like, would anybody ever miss me if I snorted this and I didn't Mm -hmm. wake up? Like I would, I would do stuff like that. And I would think about like, would people miss me or thinking about what my funeral would look like and stuff like that when I was a kid, but not, it wasn't that extreme when I was struggling, when I was successful, when I was struggling with that, when I was successful, it was more just this immense amount of anger and pain. And I felt betrayed and lied to by myself and others in society about what happiness looked like and what it takes to be fulfilled. And I was also just, I guess overall just really hurt, you know, through, um, because of the way I treated myself and because of what what I believed. And I was just kind of in a, in a way hopeless, um, in the sense in in certain areas of my life, not hopeless in like, uh, not wanting to be here kind of way, but hopeless in the sense of like, am I ever going to find love? Am I ever going to be happy with myself? Am I ever going to, you know, find, you know, the fulfillment that I've been fully looking for and stuff like that. And that required me to, again, do some, a lot of deep therapy and, and work on trauma and what, and work on why I viewed myself in the way that I did. And, and once I understood why I viewed myself as the, the fat Doug still and why I viewed myself as the kid who was my younger me and it was worthless and a failure, once I understood the reason I, I viewed myself like that, I began to understand and make sense of it and be like, okay, like now this makes sense. How can we move forward? And the same thing with why I would get like stressed and anxious. I felt like for no reason, even though I was having success. And it's because my nervous system was just trained to just be in stressful situations, given how I was, given how I grew up. And so, again, once I understood that and then understood the reason that I still saw myself as this certain type of person um, was because of the way I was bullied as a kid for years. I mean, it wasn't like I was picked on once, it was like years and years of bullying. It all, my, my therapist was like, this all makes sense as to why you see yourself this way because your brain, in a way, has been hijacked to believe like and and to believe other people's opinions and let them dictate how you feel about yourself and your perception of yourself is completely different and so once I became able once I became able to unlearn all of that like things changed because I think that's the main thing that a lot of people struggle with is they feel like mm-hmm. they're alone they feel like they're the only one that is not in a relationship they feel like they're the only one that was ever bullied they feel like they were the only one who's not in the shape they want to be they feel like they're the only one right And, um, and that's why community is is so important. That's why being open and honest about your emotions and being vulnerable is important because that creates connection to other people, because typically, at least when you're in the right group of people and you're sharing something that's vulnerable, I mean, as long, I mean, if you're spending time with the right types of people, that person is either going to say one of two things. They're going to say, you know, thanks for sharing that. It's really brave of you. And I can't imagine how hard that must've been. Or they might be like me too. Like me i too. struggle with that as well. And so either way you feel accepted and you feel like you're, you know, that you're not the only
0: person that's going through that. So yeah, I, I went off on kind of a tangent there, but. Well, I, no, and I, I think that's actually, I'm glad that that's where you went because that is what I wanted to ask you. And that, you know, that might even just be a, a great way to, you know, to begin to wrap up our conversation is if there's somebody who's listening right now, who's questioning, what's the point? What's the purpose? I am alone. There's no point. I've done everything. Nothing works. Or they're feeling like they can't live without, you know, whatever it is they're addicted to, whether it's, you know, drugs and alcohol or external validation or anger, food, whatever. But somebody who's really questioning, what's the point? What would you say to them?
1: Well, first, I want to make a disclaimer that I'm not a medical professional, and that I do think that if you are in a deep, deep, deep dark place, that you definitely should reach out and get professional uh, medical help or help for your me- from a licensed mental health professional. Um, but in the context of like just general times of darkness, um, what would I tell somebody if they're struggling with you know addiction or? um if they're struggling to you know make that change or they're having a hard time in life i would just say for for one thing um i think acceptance is super is super powerful and that you accept the fact that you have a problem you accept the fact that this is part of life you accept the fact that um you know you're not alone in this and then the other thing is that what i tell people is that On the other side of pain, is 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 a lot of strength, and a lot of encouragement, a lot of wisdom, and so if people can just kind of tap into that and acknowledge, yes, this situation I'm going through sucks and it's painful, because again, two things can be true. You don't want to just bypass that and have this Pollyanna attitude where everything in life is positive because it's not, and that's a very unhealthy way to live. But if you can say, like, what I'm going through right now is very, very challenging, however. I believe in myself enough, and I know that if I'm that I have purpose in life, that I have meaning in life, and that I know that I'm meant for something, for a I, I know I'm meant for this life that I deserve, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And you just take it day by day. Then eventually, it, what happens over time? Again, I don't know that the time frame; it could be weeks, could be months, could be days, whatever it is. What you find is that you. End up coming out of that, and then looking back with some level of gratitude doesn't mean that that event didn't suck. Because, sure. like, I'm not like, yeah, I'm super happy that I got bullied. I'm super happy that I went to jail. Right. Like, right. there is gratitude in, in, in right. some of those things because of how, who they, with the type of person they made me. But I don't, I don't go back and I'm like, I'm so happy that it happened to me. And I think it's so great because. I just don't think that's a uh, the most ideal way to live. I don't like I look back in my life and the things that I went through I'm not like super happy that I went through them. I'm happy because of the person that they made that, that it made me. Like I don't look back and say I'm super thankful that I went through these. But what I'm thankful for is the silver lining that it, that it came from it. And I think if people if they're in a time of darkness if they can understand that eventually something like that will come from it some some lessons some wisdom some strength i think it gives people a bit more optimism when they're going through hard times because now they see that there's some purpose in the pain and it's not just about all this um it's not just about all this you know sadness and hardship that you're going through right the other thing i w- i really want to say is that if you're really struggling with like addiction or something to that effect, just don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. And I think one of the things that I'll often say is just, again, if I'm hoping that there's people in your life that you trust, maybe you, maybe it's not a family member, maybe it's not a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's like a, a friend of a friend, maybe it's a friend, but somebody where you can reach out and just say, hey, listen, I'm really struggling right now. I don't have it all figured out. I want to get help. Can you please help me? And that person, I guarantee you, is going to be like, yes, let's, let's get you some help. Let's, let's go to a meeting. Let's call so-and-so. Let's do this. And now that creates a bridge for somebody to get help because they reach out and ask for somebody to help them. Yeah. And then again, that person doesn't feel so alone. Yeah. And so I just wanted to make sure that that was clear, that you definitely want to make sure you're reaching out, asking for help, understanding that this time of darkness is going to change you. For there's going to be some scars, of course, but there's also going to be a lot of good that comes out of it and that um, you have to remember what you're fighting for and you have to remember everything that you have gone through and focus on how far you've come and how far you have to go. Because, you know, unless a toddler is listening to this, (laughs) you know, if you're an adult, you've probably been through some stuff. That's right. (laughs) And you've gotten through every other, every other situation you've come out okay. Yeah. Right. Maybe you have some bumps and bruises, but you're still out. You're okay. You're listening to a podcast. I mean, life might not, must not be too, too bad. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I just, I just wanted to, to make sure that I, I shared that as well, that there is going to be some purpose in the pain.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the painful things that you shared was when you were, you know, under the influence, when you were in your darkest days and you were struggling and you were wondering, would anyone even miss me? And I can't imagine, I think of the work that you're doing now. And I'm just, you know, I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you chose to fight for yourself. I believe everybody has a story to share. And, you know, it doesn't matter how far you are in your career. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. You know, your story matters. You matter. And I always say, like, the world the world needs your gifts, but not at the cost of your soul. And there are people who've walked a few steps ahead of you and to reach out for sure.
1: Yeah. And if you're you're still here, there's still purpose. There's still meaning. You just got to keep going, you know, and I think just keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing whatever it takes just to become a better version of yourself each and every day. And um, just knowing that eventually, if you keep doing the right things and surrounding yourself with the right people, that eventually things will get better, you know, and that a lot of the a lot of the people who have had tremendous amounts of success, that success was built out of tremendous pain, pain in childhood, pain in a relationship, pain in the workplace, pain in a pers- in their personal lives. And everybody loves a comeback story. And I think that a lot of times in life, you know, I got, I'm holding a pen right now. So I'm just made me think of it that we're all, we, we're all writing our story right now. Like I'm in chapter 35 of my story, right? And I think what happens is we have a bad chapter in life. And instead of saying, okay, that was a bad chapter. I'm just going to write the next one. We take the pen and we throw it down the sewer drain and say, you know what? Like, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to put it on autopilot and I'm going to let the world rewrite my story for me. Yeah, And then you let the world write your story for you and you essentially go on autopilot and say, okay, I'm gonna let the world control how my story ends. I'm gonna let go, and it's not to say that you shouldn't have um, a spiritual component in your life. I'm not talking about that, but you still need to have some. You still need to have autonomy in what you do. And what I'm encouraging people to do is to pick the pen back up and keep rewriting your story. Like most people, their favorite books are the books where there's a there's it's a feel good story. There's a hero's journey. People overcome something c- c- incredibly tremendous, right? It's it's really yeah, hard to because like because it book. gives us hope, right? Yeah, it's hard to like a book that's just super boring, where every chapter is the same chapter, the same chapter, the same chapter. To to close the loop on this, um, you know, we all love a feel good story, and in many books that we read, there's some really really amazing chapters in that book, and there's some chapters like, eh, that was kind of boring. I didn't really like that one, right? And so my point is pick the pen up, keep rewriting your story. You can do this, believe in yourself, fight for yourself and just never forget how far you've come and um, you will get there just
0: one day at a time. Yeah, I love that. I have one more question for you. Go ahead. You said everybody loves a comeback story and you obviously have one. And I'm wondering if you would just, if you have a word or two, what does it feel like to go from despair to now getting to impact other people's lives in a positive way? Do you have a word for that?
1: astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's shocking at the same time. I mean, people I I honestly still get kind of uh I don't want to say weirded out, it's not the right word, but I still feel kind of weird when people are, you know, like, "Oh my god, it's Doug Bopes." Like I've had people come up to me and I'm just like I'm a norm- if you see me in person like at the airport or wherever, I'm just a normal person. Like I'm very approachable. Like you know, I don't I don't think of myself as any better than anybody. I mean, sure, I think maybe I've achieved certain things that other people may not have achieved, but we we all have our own achievements, right? There's still, I'm sure things that I'd like to achieve that others have, and we're all human. And that's my point I'm trying to make. And so it still does kind of surprise me when people come up to me and I'm just like, I'm just a, I'm just a dude. Um, I was just really thankful to be alive. And I've just been committed to, to sharing my story to help other people because I felt like that was the main reason that that my cellmate helped to uh, help me transform my life in jail. And the main reason that I've made it this far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be very proud. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Um, You're having such an impact. If you could share with the listeners, how do they find you? I know you have a book, a podcast, you do coaching. If somebody wants to work with you or learn more about your story, how can they find you?
1: So I would say the easiest way to find me is um, at my website, which is Doug Dot com, and then um, I'm, so my website, DougBopes.com and then I'm on social media at DougBopes on all the platforms. My podcast is called The Adversity Advantage, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. And it's also available on YouTube and um, all my books are on Amazon. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I love the conversation and, and hopefully it inspires some people.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely confident it will. And I look forward to keeping in touch and thank you again for being here.
1: You got it.